Blitz is defined as a sudden, savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation, man to man. No excuses are offered. None accepted. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts, lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk <laughs> man. I back it up. And we are chock full of that, man. right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. <laughs> and that's the bottom line, because Stone Cold said so. If you're going to blitz, come strong, but don't come at all. Coming strong with another edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24-7. I am Jeff Howe. Let's not waste any time and get right into this week's proceedings. Wherever you're listening, however you're listening, we thank you so much for being a part of this week's presentation of the Longhorn Blitz podcast. Those of you who continue to support the show, show love for what we're doing here on the Blitz. Seriously, honestly, thank you so much. This is a labor of love on this podcast, and we love bringing it to you each and every week. You can get this podcast anywhere you get your podcasts. Just search Horns 24-7. That's Horns 247. No dashes, no slashes. Click that follow button. Get every episode of The Blitz when it drops on Tuesdays along with the other podcasts on the Horns 24-7 podcast channel. Let me bring in the rest of the team here on The Blitz. He is the master of the soundboard, the drop machine extraordinaire, our lead research analyst on Longhorn Blitz, and a daily fantasy guru. He is Matt Butler. How are you, sir? Doing pretty well, man. How about you? I'm a little, little uh, mossy today. Uh, heavy green, travels for you had one Greenville hell of a super, rain delay. Greenville Super Regional and then uh, you know, late night traveling home Monday, but uh, heading to Omaha at the end of the week. Was so. that the longest rain delay of your life? Um, I assume so. Who? Probably the uh, Bob Baloo. Shout out to Bob Baloo from CBS Austin. The... Rain delay for the Texas TCU game in Fort Worth in 2013. Hmm. I don't remember how long that one lasted. Oh, for football? Uh, yeah. I remember, I, I, rem- I remember that. I remember uh, probably felt like 2 in the morning, <laughs> Tyrone Swoops getting his red shirt burned and me losing my mind wondering why you would do that at that point. And then I remember uh, my colleague Kevin Flaherty and I getting some Whataburger somewhere in Fort Worth with the sun about to come up, so – that was a long night. Uh, this Super Regional did not end at Whataburger because they ain't got Whataburger in Greenville, North Carolina, in case you didn't know. But uh, So it was the Waffle House for the win. And ain't Good nothing, way to ain't end nothing, the night. Ain't nothing wrong with the Waffle House. A man who knows there ain't nothing wrong with the Waffle House. Uh, ain't nothing wrong with any kind of late night eats. Uh, he's a renaissance man. He loves all kinds of food, pop culture. But for the purposes of this podcast... He is our lockdown corner here on Longhorn Blitz. Lifetime Longhorn 2002 UT All-American 2002 semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award. Fourth-round draft choice of the New York Giants back in 2003. Spent his NFL career with the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats of the CFL. When he was done with football, he got himself back to Austin, Texas, and the 40 Acres where he earned his degree. Whenever that T-ring comes back in, we will make sure he wears it proudly. Nevertheless, he is a card-carrying member of DBU. And when you get that All-American honor recognized by the NCAA, they make sure you get one of those black cards. Number 21 in your program, number one in your hearts, Mr. Rod Babers. Thank you for the intro, brother. I appreciate that, as always. Rod, there's a lot of things that I'm proud of with our friendship, but one thing is that you always back me up on this. You never fail to deliver. Anytime people are like, hey, if I meet Rod, what's Rod like? I'm like, man, 
Rod Babers is a man of the people and the the smile that you can almost feel coming through your speakers when you listen to the show and the love that Rod has for the people when he's on the air, which, by the way, ball don't lie, every day, three to seven, on the horn, Rod my cards. That love you hear coming through your speakers, you feel it when you meet Rod in person. Rod is a man of the people. So Thank you, brother. You never fail to deliver. I'm like, Rod is one of the best, most salt of the earth, kind-hearted people you'll ever meet. Thank you, uh, brother. I appreciate There's that. no show on the show that's right. It, it ain't a front with Rod. Pete. No, that means a lot to me. I appreciate that. So. From the uh, the guest that came and never left. <laughs> you changed how I viewed pro athletes, yeah. like, for my life going forward. I was like, oh, I met him, and then it was like, oh, he's another dude. That's awesome. Yeah, man. I appreciate that, fellas, for real. Uh, that's it. I wouldn't say it if it weren't true, Rod. So I wanted to uh, look at a couple of different things. We started – we talked last week a lot about the defense, and, and it – Got in a, I got, we got into some Alfred Collins and Byron Murphy discussion, and I wanted that to bleed into talking about X factors mm-hmm. for this team in 2022. And that takes me over to offense. And I, I had the, these Keelan Robinson numbers pulled up because, I don't know, maybe it's just we're removed from spring ball and I'm in this weird time right now where I'm covering baseball and yeah. I gotta, I'm always, I've always got the football hat on. So maybe it's out of sight, out of mind for me. Mm-hmm. But, Rod, you live in the football bubble constantly, so – Matt, you do as well, so maybe not for you guys. So I just want to throw these Keelan Robinson numbers out because I think he's kind of the one guy on offense through the spring that didn't get talked about as much as B. John Robinson coming back or Roshan Johnson's leadership or the the health of Jordan Whittington, the arrival of Isaiah Nay or Xavier Worthy with another year in this offense, the tight ends with Jaleel Billingsley's Billingsley's arrival, uh, the emergence of Jatavian Sanders. Talk about all that. Didn't really talk a lot about Keelan, and I think he's the one guy that can take this offense from, in addition, look, yes, you could say this about Quinn Ewers, but quarterback, it's a totally different ball of wax, so let's shove that aside. In terms of the skill guys, I think he's the one guy that can take this offense from good to elite because the explosive playmaking dynamic he brings to the field is something nobody else on this offense can do. I'm not not saying can't do. Let me rephrase that. Because Xavier Worthy is that kind of explosive guy. But in the way Keelan Robinson is explosive, the the vertical threat he can possess, the ability to take it to the house wherever he touches it on the field uh, is really unique. I just pulled up some PFF numbers. Shout out to Pro Football Focus and the guys over there crunching the numbers so we don't have to, which we do anyway because you check your work always. We crunch them. They just find them. Yeah. Um. Keeler, yeah, that's the thing. you got to take PFF, and it's like, here's this data. You want to sort through it and do with it what you will. Go right ahead. Um, I did this on a minimum of 45 rushing attempts last year. Uh, Keelan Robinson in the Big 12, 7.2 yards per rush. That's second in the Big 12, Kendra Miller at TCU, who, by the way, was sneaky good last year mm. for TCU. Uh, so Keelan Robinson, 7.2 yards per attempt, second in the Big 12. Uh 3.76 yards after contact per attempt. That was top 10 in the Big 12 last year, which kind of surprised me a little bit because I think of yards after contact per attempt as running through tackles, but for a space playmaker, a lot of times that's just making one guy miss. Yeah, it's just breaking a tackle. Um, so kind of those. speed gets you more. Yeah, on the surface you'd assume it's something, but then you start thinking about it. Okay, okay that, that does kind of make sense. Uh, it's seven – Runs last year, seven rushing. Well, actually, sixteen uh, missed tackles forced. That was eighteenth in the Big Twelve. That the missed tackles forced speaks more to 
that's going to be a number where a guy like a B. John Robinson or a Brees Hall, uh, Abram Smith, your every down running backs are going to have more of those type numbers because they're between the tackles uh, as opposed to a space playmaker. This is the one that got me. Seven runs last year, 10-plus yards. Um, Roshan Johnson had 11 last year, 11 runs of 10-plus more. Rojo had 50 more rushing attempts than Keelan Robinson did. Yeah. So, again, Matt, this points about something you talked about with Keelan Robinson, just on a per-touch, per-carry basis, just how explosive he was last season. Uh, PFF tracks what they call an elusive rating, which there's a lot of different factors that go into it in terms of how explosive you are. Fifth in the Big 12 last year, the fifth most elusive running back in the Big 12 last year. So you tie all that together, man. They're – Bijan Robinson included, you can make the argument Keelan Robinson was the most explosive playmaker on a per-touch basis for this offense last year. And that's not factoring in anything he did in the passing game, which we'll get to that in a minute. But overall, man, he's just got that big play dynamic, Rod, that you – very few people on this offense have. Xavier Worthy has it. Bijan has it in a different way. But Keelan Robinson is a unique cat when he can get his hands on the football. Yeah. I mean, there's certain guys that, you know, move the chains – certain guys that changed the game. He's a guy that's a game changer. There's no question about it. Uh, the question is, within Sark's framework of the offense, you know, how can you kind of organically work him in without it being something where you're tipping your plays right. or you're being too predictable? Because his skill set, although explosive, is very specific. Yes. And it's not necessarily a, a well-rounded. It's It's very specific, but that doesn't mean you still don't need to use it because, you know, he's one of those guys, like I said, depending on how you weaponize him, I mean, he can be, I'm with you, he can be a breakaway threat. So I would, I would, and I think Sark is really good at scheming guys open. He's really good at, you know, diagramming plays and drawing up his own plays. So I do think he can figure out a way to, to, to get him into the offense, not only for the purpose of utilizing him specifically, but also just organically so that every time the defense sees him, they don't go red alert, all right, he's in, they're going to go with the jet sweep or they're going to go with the a bubble screen, but whatever it may yeah. be, whatever, however you decide to use him. Because um, he doesn't go vertically downfield. I mean, that's just that's just the reality of it. He, if, he goes vert, if he goes past the line of scrimmage without the football, basically you don't have to worry about him. Yeah, right. That's, that's, why, that's what the scouting report says watching film about him. You know, if he goes vertically past on scrimmage, don't even worry about him. Don't, don't, if, if, they, if they do decide to throw it to him, there's a good chance he's going to drop it because they obviously, there's a reason they don't throw it downfield to him. Sark loves speedy receivers, and yet and he loves running backs yeah. in the passing game. Mm-hmm. He has said both specifically, and yet he doesn't like this speedy running back in the passing game. No, there's a reason for that. Yeah. Well, and when you look at the just receiving numbers, he had ten targets and seven receptions and three drops. It's right there. Like it's, it's right there. They yeah. cut and, and dry. And how many of those were downfield? Well, well, and that's the thing. I don't think any of them because we yeah. had talked about this <laughs> yeah. last year, yeah. and then in the spring game. There was one t- we we like made a big deal because he ran like two yards downfield <laughs> to catch a screen. It was basically a screen, but they ran it almost like hey. a two or three yard curl. I'll so like it. yeah, it was a little baby steps, baby steps. But I uh, once Jeff brought it up uh, last week on the show that would be looking into Keelan. So I just broke down some of the other numbers when you look at him, and it's it's pretty crazy to see how explosive. Because when you think about Bijan, you think of Bijan as not only explosive but also like Jeff was saying, a guy that breaks so many tackles, 
And when you look on a per-touch basis, Keelan, now let's go first of all, you had Keelan only had 45 rushes, Bijan had 195. So the sample size is four times more. But missed tackles force, Keelan, it was 16 in his 45 rushes, which is one missed tackle force every 2.81 carries. Bijan was 79 in 195, which is one in every 2.46 carries. Then if you go look at 10-plus yards uh, gains of that much, you had 7 to 27. When you go and look at it being 15-yard uh, runs, Keelan actually had better rates than Bijan. Five of his 45 went for 15-plus, which is one every nine carries. Bijan was 15 of his 195, which is one of every 13 carries. Mm. Now, if you look at first down rate, Bijan and him exactly one uh, a first down every 3.75 rushes. It was 12 on 45 compared to 52 on 195. So quite equivalent, yet even a little bit better of numbers when you're talking about the 15-plus yards. When you look at breakaway yards. This was the one I was going to get to. Yeah, yeah, yeah the 60.2%. I'll leave that one for you, Jeff, because there's some other ones when you look at yards after contact. Mm-hmm. We already brought up the 3.94 to 3.96, but – Keelan ended up having 169 of his 322 yards come after contact, which is pretty impressive. And when you add in Alabama numbers, he was even more explosive at Alabama now. That sort of shows the framework around him when you have a better offensive Mm -hmm. line and what you can do because, you know, he was well over four yards per or after contact per attempt in when he combined his Alabama numbers. But Mm -hmm. when you look at the per-touch basis across the board, to have him – have that many explosive plays, and then also a missed tackle forced rate, very comparable to Bijan. It's like, well, you got two type of guys that you can rely on, sort of for different things, but also quite similar. So the breakaway yards, Pro Football Focus tracks breakaway rushing yardage as your rushing yardage on designed rushing attempts that go for 15-plus yards. So basically, once you get past 15 yards, you're not giving credit to offensive line, yeah. tight ends, wide receivers. Yeah. Basically, that's that's your speed, your breakaway ability. Uh, to Matt's point, uh, Keelan Robinson last year, 194 breakaway yards he was credited for of his 322 on the season. That's 60.2%. That was the second best of anybody in the Big 12. Wow. Bijan was 36.7% of his yards were via breakaway, so 60% is a huge amount. It's insane. Um, I want Matt, did you have anything else rushing-wise? Because I want to get yeah. to the, the passing numbers. The only here. other things that stood out to me, it sort of broke what I thought, because in your mind you think of Bijan, he's fast. I mean, you think of Keelan, he's fast. It's going to be a guy that gets success on the outside. It was like, actually, off right end and left end, when you combine them, he was only 4.65 yards per rush off tackle or off end. Now it was 6.7 to the left. 10 for 67, Mm. 13 for 40 to the right, 3.08. But up the middle, he was 15 for 118 in touchdown when you go uh, just Mm. off the center left or center right, and that's 7.87 yards per carry. Mm. And then if you go just off guard, he ended up being 13.9 yards per carry. It was seven rushes for 97 yards. Now that has his 65-yard touchdown off right guard, but I was pretty surprised to see that. He very obviously has had more success running up the middle than off edge, which is something that could maybe benefit him a lot, especially with tendencies or conceptions that teams may have of what his you know skill set would mean to the play calls for him. Wow. I'll give you a theory That's on that, quick, quick theory on that, and I think maybe it bleeds into the pass game discussion. Maybe, you know, your, run, your rushing attempts around end, 
kind of your C-gap, D-gap runs in this offense should be mostly wide zone runs. Now, what's one thing that if you're a wide zone running back, what do you have to have? you got to have patience. Mm-hmm. you got to have vision. That's why Bijan's such a great zone runner. Bijan can run in any system, but he's a great zone yes. runner. I think maybe one of the reasons why Keelan Robinson's numbers, and I'd have to go back and look at the video and see like all these carries, but I'm just going to throw this out there for a discussion. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm not. I don't know. Could it be, though, that just the design runs, or it, this run is designed to go to the A-gap, therefore he doesn't have to think. You just get the handoff and go. And you hit it. There's no there's no patience, and there's no need for patience, no need for visions. Boom, you're hitting it and you're going. Could that could that kind of bleed into the pass game discussion of they're they're and, and expanding the skill set in terms of right now your ways to get him involved and to get him the football are very simple. Yeah, there's nothing really complex in terms of how you use him or how you get him. The get football. him north south. Yeah. Get him going. No, I mean it's it's almost spooky um, how you know these guys compare. Through Longhorn history, the DJ Monroe. That's the one I'm and, thinking about right now, yes. You know, I think DeJe was a little bit more advanced. I do think DeJe could mm-hmm. actually catch the ball downfield. DeJe had the punt more. return ability, too. Yeah, that's a field. very yeah, different skill set. DeJe was a little bit, I think, he, I think he was a little bit more advanced, but I mean, it's spooky how much Keelan Robinson reminds me of DJ Monroe. That's the comp, um, man. And I do think now you got a better uh, play designer and play caller uh, to help you kind of maximize the skill set. But uh, my concern would be, I'm with you, you still got to develop the guy. Like you can't allow for that ceiling, of his, that glass ceiling that he's reached, which is he basically has hands like Rod B, right? He's got hands like, <laughs> hands like feet. Uh, you can't allow that to be able to kind of, kind of pinch and, pigeonhole him into he's where he's typecast, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where he's, he's that guy. He's DJ Monroe pretty much. And he's not, running back instead of receiver yeah, or whatever. Yeah, and he's not going vertically downfield at all. Uh, so I would – and so I think for me, I would look at the screen game for him as a big way to, to get him involved in the in the passing game. Um, I would, man, I would try like the the basic quick game. He should as something you should be able to master as a you know as a as a running back, right? Yeah. Uh, just whether you're going to end up being the check down or whether you're going to end up being like the hot route for. So we're talking about like flare routes for him, a slant. The the arrow, all those little quick things, mm-hmm. he should be able to catch those. Like those are, like you know, what I mean, those are within five yards of the line of scrimmage. Even like that circle route where it's boom, boom. Yeah, exactly. Right, you come right around the linebackers, boom, yeah. right in front of them. Uh, so does his routes sixty seven percent come out of the backfield? He's exactly. not a guy that splits. Yeah, you're out. not gonna you're not gonna put him in a slot yep. and have him run vertically downfield. He's not that guy. Uh, but you're not gonna I, at this point. You're not gonna fool anybody doing that. Yeah, no. not, nine slot snaps, only four wide snaps all last year. Yeah, so you know he is. Might as well put like Jake was. Majors in the slot at that point. Like you're not, <laughs> you're not fooling yeah. anybody. But I think you can fool teams by, like you said, just getting him the ball on the move. But you know, a high percentage pass within you know five yards of the line of scrimmage. That way, you can get him in the passing game. Because the truth, because the truth is, you got all these running backs and. And you got and the reason that I got obsessed with two tailback sets was not because I love two tailback sets. Texas started stockpiling really good running backs. Mm-hmm. And right around the time they got Keontae Ingram and, you know, guys like Bijan Robinson. I'm thinking to myself, dude, you gotta start playing those guys more. Now, I didn't know Keontae Ingram would have his issues, but shout out now in the NFL. So <laughs> maybe just needed to change the scenery. 
But when it now it's clear it's it's not only your most talented position, but now people are saying it's the most talented running back room in the country. Yeah. Period. Might be. So you got to play more of those two tailbacks, not only so you can get Bijan and Rojo on the field, but also so you can get Keelan Robinson on the field. So they had 20, uh, 20 uh, personnel and 21 personnel last year, two backs, one tight ends, two backs, zero tight ends. Last year where they put Keelan Robinson on the field with Bijan, Robinson and Robinson. Yeah, th- that's, um, the other, uh, that's the other DJ Monroe quality they have in common. Like think about that Texas backfield like in 2012. With Malcolm Brown coming off his freshman year, Jonathan Gray is an incoming freshman. Yeah, Joe Bergeron had some skins on the wall at that point, uh, and then you you've got DJ Monroe in there with the 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 long ball ability. You could have made the argument at that point in 2012 that Texas should. had one of, yeah. if not the most talented running back room in the country. Yeah, and you probably should have been playing some two tailback sets then. But I'll give uh, you got to give a lot of credit to you know Sark Sark's creative where. You know, he's already broke out the Wildcat. There's hints they're going to do more with the Wildcat this year. They should yeah. because, hell, uh, Rojo Keelan. averaged <laughs> over. And they did. They had Rojo uh, and Keelan in the backfield mm-hmm. and, and running some of those Wildcats. The thing is you got to, I would say, you got to evolve that package. I'm sure they will. They averaged over eight yards per carry yeah. running the damn Wildcat. Which <laughs> some of the, I bet some of these freaky. Keelan numbers up the middle came from. Oh, they could be. Yeah, it could easily be that too. Um, so I, he's seven point nine. Yeah, so I think for Sark, he and I, I know he's you know going on the West Coast, hanging out with Sean McVay. Hopefully, he hits up Shano too, and he hangs out with with Shanahan because Shanahan runs the most creative two 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 back sets. Now, there's not two tailbacks, but the way he uses use, use check is basically mm-hmm. treats him like a tailback or a, a tidy in any way, like a hybrid player anyway. Uh, so he runs the most creative run game concepts out of that. And also can have really, really creative pass game contests. And we know Sark has a link to Shano because after he took over for him in Atlanta, he used two tailback sets, actually, mm-hmm. just to try to transition that offense with uh, Tevin Coleman and Devontae yeah. Freeman. Yep. So he's familiar with that. I, I think he's got to use more two tailback sets this year because you're going to lose Bijan next year. And But by the way, you're still recruiting a ton of really good running backs. Yeah. And you got Jonathan Brooks. Brooks there who nobody really talks about who's a hell of a player. Yeah. Every time we see him, everybody's really impressed by him. I think you got to start using more two tailback sets. So I think you can study Shannon. But you, he's a West Coast guy. So, yeah. I mean, the truth is West Coast offenses – West, the original West Coast offense was a two tailback, two, two sorry, two back offense. It was a fullback, but it's still a two back offense. So you can still study some of the concepts. People say, "Oh man, that was too old school." Well, no, not really. I mean, honestly, football kind of works like I was actually reading this, uh, <laughs> reading this article about Legos the other day, <laughs> and Legos. You know, my, my four year old loves loves the Lego story. So does oh, Miles everybody Turner. loves Legos, and, and yeah, and Legos now does Star Wars and all these other, and that's basically kind of what saved it. Actually, the article talks about how kind of Star Wars kind of saved Legos and reinvented the brand. Um, but the 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 original Legos that they built like sixty something years ago, seven years ago, still fit with the Legos they they make today. Mm. They all still fit together, Smart. right? That's football. That's football in a nutshell. It's still the same piece. It's 11 guys on the field, same dimensions. Yep. So a lot. That's why Andy Reid still studies stuff from the 1930s mm-hmm. and 40s. You know what I mean? You really can gain advantage because nobody's seen that stuff. But the truth is, hell, I mean, a lot of stuff they're doing now, uh, or that was stuff that people were doing way back then. They mm-hmm. just they found yeah. them innovative, innovative ways to it's do it. It's finding them. that balance. Yeah, no doubt about it. So I, I think for for those like, oh man, you can't study West Coast offense, can't teach you anything. No, no, go back. There's a lot of things you can steal from Bill Walsh, arguably. One of the greatest minds in the history of football, and also also from Hal Mummy. Hal Mummy always talks about the original air raid is two 
It's a two-back set. Mm-hmm. Talks about it all the time. He's like, oh, man, two-back sets. That's what we, all of our ideas were coming out of two-back sets. Yeah. And most of them were passing concepts out of two-back sets, using the running backs in the passing game. So go steal from Al Mummy. Go steal from Bill Walsh. Go steal from Shano. And you already got one of the most progressive uh, cutting edge minds in two back sets with Brendan Marion on your staff yep. now. Shout out, great for you, Sark. I'm glad you did it. That's when I became a Sark guy because that's a smart move right there. And he can teach you the go go offense, which I'm sure they're already implementing. And then now you can have his concepts in as well because his passing game is a West Coast passing game. It's yeah. a triple option run game. The go go offense is with a West Coast passing game. And Texas's most efficient and effective passing personnel package last season was 20 personnel. It was two tailback sets, 20 and 21 personnel, actually. Their highest yards per attempt and their highest completion percentage. So they can throw out of it. They just need more help running out of it, really. But I think they can get even more innovative out of passing out of that yeah. form, uh, that formation and personnel package as well. well it's funny you mention that, um, you know, Andy, Riggie's study in football, because I remember I was at a Bill Parcells press conference in 2003. Like, I was a young reporter, had no business covering a Cowboys training camp practice, but <laughs> I finagled my way in there. Ooh, and I remember nice. Bill Parcells, during a press conference, it's kind of, you know, because Bill Parcells was the king of, like, the press conference tangents just mm-hmm. going off. Oh, yeah, off no doubt. He had some absurd and ones. He uh, he was talking about how that morning he was watching a game like a Cleveland Browns game from, like, the 60s mm. and just watching old Cleveland Browns film trying to see what he could pick up. So mm-hmm. that's something those guys do. Oh, Belichick. Can, Belichick's, yeah. like, the big, the greatest historian in the NFL right now. He's, yeah. He just keeps stealing stuff from way back in the day. It's like I said, it, it, it still on. fits because it's, it's still eleven guys. The rules are basically the same. They've changed some of them. Yeah. They're progressive, but it's still basically the same. And guys had really cool concepts. I mean, like I said, I, I my obsession with the empty formation. I went rabbit holing about it. Took me back to Archie Cooley, and then and, and Jerry Rice. Yeah. And them running the empty formation with Jerry Rice. So they would figure out a way Sippy to Valley weaponize State. Jerry Rice. And it was like, boom, that's, you know what? We're going to run empty formation all the damn time. We're going to put Jerry Rice isolated on one side, and we're going to go four wide receivers on the other side and say, pick your damn poison. What you going to do? You're going to, you going to, don't single up Jerry Rice, go right ahead, go, you know, and go with God. But if you're going to double Jerry Rice, oh, that means you're going to have, we got the numbers on the other side. <laughs> Brilliant. But it's Dude. just, it's math, basic numbers. That's what football yeah. is. And so, People, I mean, that, studying the game will always give you an advantage over those who don't want to study the game and how the concepts, uh, you know, were invented and created and why they were invented. And those right. things go across sports. Like what you just explained right there with Jerry Rice is literally what the Warriors have been winning on for eight years because if you send two people to Steph Curry, that means Draymond has a four-on-three on the back end of the play. And, or you're going to have to yep. do what Boston's doing and is giving one-on-one versus Curry, and Curry's been able to torch right. all year. But the second they blitz him, do anything to send two, you got the numbers advantage on the other side so it just comes down to math and like exactly that's right. why we talk about you know the qb run game revolutionizing mm-hmm. things but Plus then one. the multiplicity yeah. when you have positions that are able to set up Hybrids. a different exactly and be able to have texas is getting to a point where you have a li- good enough athleticism or weaponization of every position that you can start to see the chance of the upside of these teams and like i still had a couple of the keelan numbers in front of me and you brought up the downfield that he never does anything and you're totally right if you look at the passing numbers behind the line of scrimmage when targeted seven for seven he has 8.11 or one four yards per route run Mm. the two times he was targeted past the line of scrimmage are or all three were drops twice zero to nine two drops once from 10 to 19 Mm. one drop so he has not been targeted 
downfield past the line of scrimmage without yeah. dropping the ball. That's a mental thing or something along those lines. Oh, He's not mental. comfortable. And I know about like it because I, like I said, I've suffered from it. I had great hands in high school. People would yeah. not believe you're me. You're a wide receiver. You have no reason to believe me. You caught what, uh, eight yeah. TDs oh, or something? Like, I, there's, there's, dude, there's a video of me having one handed catches in high school. <laughs> you have big Texas hands. City. Oh, man, I was, it was, I was unbelievable. Yeah. But I, I Tom didn't Nolan, know. Tom Nolan has a VHS tape in a storage unit somewhere that can I back this up. I'm making Odell Beckham like catches, dude. It's unbelievable. But I wasn't thinking about it. And I swear, Once you, I, I came. I came to Texas. I dropped a couple of interceptions and picks, and it it became like a thing. It yeah. became like a thing. It's something I thought about. And once I thought about it, it was in my head. And I swear, from then on, the, as we know, the stick of that shows nobody me catches the ball over my side of the field. In. Not even me. But that's why Mac Brown didn't want me saying it. Yeah, Mac Brown knew about sports confidence. psychology. He's like, no, 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 no. Don't don't put it out there. Don't speak it into existence. No, no, no. No, 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 and he he was right. He tell was me right. that tells me how locked in he was right. You were in that Texas OU game. The idea that like you come your senior year, if you're exactly. battling was, with that, and you're locked in, and you but just right. all my reacting. picks were like that. All yep. my picks were in big moments because mm-hmm. I was big twelve championship Colorado. game. They were all big, big twelve. You were locked game. in in big Tech, games. Oklahoma and didn't State have won. That. It was Oklahoma State was a game saving interception. Line, yeah. Texas OU was. I didn't have time to think about it when I when I go look at the North Carolina Lafayette. Then you're dropping it when I read the out route and I saw it coming. I dropped it and it was like. Because I knew it was coming. I was like, oh, it's coming. I got it. It's the one where Sean McDonough calls you Stonehenge and says the quote on the TV copy. That was like the first time the public heard about that story or whatever. Post City City Bear. Yeah. Uh, On Keelan Robinson on the drops, I just, again, to put it in perspective. So this is, again, PFF numbers with a minimum of 45 rushing attempts. Those are the qualifying backs in the Big 12. Only three other running backs. And Keelan Robinson had 10 targets last year. Only th- two other run- Big 12 running backs had three drops last season. Bijan Robinson had three drops on 31 targets. That's understandable. Deuce Vaughn had three drops on 66 targets. Man, Deuce is, Deuce is a, a, different, so, a different beast. But you're talking about oh, yeah. two very high usage backs yep. that have pretty expansive skill sets. Yeah. I think we'd agree on that. Mm-hmm. And then there's Keelan Robinson with his 10 targets, as Matt said. Just about all of them behind the line of scrimmage. And pretty much any time he goes beyond the line of scrimmage last year, or he went beyond the line of scrimmage last year, and he's targeting the pass game, it's a drop. Yeah, so you do your scouting report, and you go, all right, listen, mm-hmm. we're not worried about him once he runs past the line of scrimmage. And if we do miss an assignment, that dude ain't catching the ball. Yep. So you got all his doodles just cheat. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm supposed to get him, but I'm cheating. I'm basically, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a cheat player. I'm watching the quarterback. I'm not really worried about Keelan. Now, maybe they're working on it right now, and I would be. I mean, I yeah. I really would be working on it. Oh, if that changes, that's huge. And you know what? How about this, though? I know it's going to sound crazy. Speaking of studying old school, hook and ladder. Mm-hmm. I mean. I mean, you know I, mean? Yeah. I know it sounds crazy. It's like the truth is, you know what I mean? You, hook and ladder. No, we've you, seen you're trying some to get him the football downfield. What's your problem? Solve the problem. Yep. My problem is I want to get him the football vertically downfield, but I can't do it. Okay? Nobody's going to cover him when he runs vertically downfield, right? We already established that. He's going to be a ghost like Casper running down. And once the ball's like, thrown downfield. catch a damn ball. Hook and ladder. Yeah. Have him come in. <laughs> have a tight end <laughs> you, do a five-out. If, if you scheme it up right with the right formation, it can be, it can be brilliant. He, you know he's going to the house with it. Yeah. Ain't nobody going to catch him. Nobody's to count for him after the ball's been there. targeted downfield. I'm just downfield. trying to solve the problem. That's the problem. Look at studying old school football. 
Something they would do how, in old school football. Nobody would expect it either. How crazy would your football pants go if Keelan Robinson scores on a hook and ladder this year? <laughs> no, against Alabama. <laughs> like that's though. you do that who's against expecting? Alabama. Who's expecting it, bro? Who's no, expecting it? That's when you do it. Is against no. Alabama. You, you like I wouldn't expect. Nobody would expect that. Nobody would expect it. Especially it when it's such a simple, it's a little curl route. They gonna let you have it. Boom. <laughs> no, and think about it like Save it for a big game, especially Sark. if Save you're playing a against game. a guy that's familiar. Like Saban probably knows a lot of Sarkeesian's trick plays and things like he that. Ain't like used it, it, exactly, mm-hmm. and that's what you would use against somebody like him when it's a familiar coach, familiar with you. Hey. To wrap up the last of the Keelan numbers that I pulled, it was just the simple when you just get together all the off guard and up the middle ended up being 22 for 215, 9.8 per carry. Off the tackle or end, it was 23 for 107, 4.65 per carry. Mm. Getting like twice the amount of production, more than twice the amount of production straight up the middle. I think a lot of that's wildcat. But you got to get that guy. I mean, that's what I'm saying. You got to play more two-back sets. Right now you're at 40% 12 personnel, one-back, two tight ends. You're at about 50% 11 personnel. And when you do two tailback specifically, you're hovering around six and a half, like six something, a little over six. You go two backs, period, with your full back stuff thrown in there. You're you're a bit higher, so I I honestly I would try to go double triple it. Honestly, I'm with you. I would double it. Yeah, I mean, I'd try if you to go could, twelve to try 15%. to get fifteen to twenty, but if not, twelve to fifteen. He is likes fine. twelve so much because basically half of the rushes, half of the handoffs for Texas are out of twelve personnel, one mm-hmm. back, two tight ends. Same thing was at Alabama, so it's not something he did because the offensive line was subpar. It was something he did because that's what he likes to do. Yeah. Uh, and he's already said tight end, second most important position in his offense behind quarterback. So that tight, those tight ends are gonna play. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm with you. I I I I chip away at that. I'd probably go thirty percent of twelve personnel. You you could run it out. That's why you got Brady Marion. You well, got the go go. Well, and that's what's so you good. You can run it out of out of two yeah. tailback sets now. And if it's working and, and wildcat, and you, if it's working, you aren't gonna want to sub out that package because you got the mismatch you want. So it may be one of those where you might not see it, but if it's out there and you get the mismatch and you don't want to sub. You run the whole drive with it until until they stop it. You know, like that's Good. just where if it's successful, you're it's like a jump shooter. If he's on, they're gonna feed Clay or feed one of them. And same thing that if this play's working, we aren't gonna sub out, and you may end up seeing more of it in, in certain games than you'd expect. Yeah. The the for me personally, why I like using twelve personnel to run the football. Uh, I like some of the, the you know split zones. One of my favorite plays in football, mm-hmm. just because of the oh, yeah. misdirection aspect. I love I love the 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 kind of the split zone. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think too, if you're running wide zone, right? I think that tight end on the front side can help you get a little bit of reach if you want to keep it going and give you more margin for error on the backside. That's one more hat a backside end or a backside safety or a corner, whatever has to cross to get to the football. The same thing. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he does. Yeah, the same thing. It's just it, it, Again, it's just simple it numbers, with, with yeah. Bijan too, it's like it's easy. Don't yeah. don't overcomplicate it. It's yeah. Bijan. Put another hat in the damn box, and this gonna make life tough on them because he's already impossible to bring down anyway. So I, I'm with. I think he just does it because he's. That's why he keeps stockpiling running backs, and he likes it. That's why his RPO game, though, out of twelve personnel, needs to get better. The RPO passing game out of twelve. Twelve, they were just too predictable. You were basically out of twelve yeah. personnel. You were running the ball seventy. I think close to seventy-two percent of the time. Yeah, because your tight, because we talked about it, your tight ends didn't threaten anybody vertically. Yeah, less what less than five yards average depth of target for both. Uh, Brew, Case, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. We did yeah. this. Yeah, yeah. Matt, I have them we all did written it. down. I think it, they're yeah, all I think like it's right around, three or less. Yeah, it's for Cade Brewer and for Jared Wiley. It's right around five yards, and Jaleel Billingsley was at was at ten yards and at nine point five. 
if I if I'm not mistaken, around nine point six. So it's that's gonna change the offense too. Uh, totally. Yeah, here's uh, yeah. I've got Brewer four point eight, Wiley three point three, yeah. and then Billingsley was nine point seven and yep. ten point five at there Alabama. Yeah, exactly. So that, think about how different that is, right? How different your offense is gonna be just to, because. Safeties can't flat foot read anymore, and I think maybe he didn't have the RPO game working in uh, in twelve personnel. Because how are you gonna get the RPO game working on twelve personnel when the safeties are flat foot reading? No, and that's when a you, pick waiting to happen. <laughs> well, and when you're one of the more so, pass happy teams, but yet you're running seventy percent out of that specific over. pack, yeah. that makes it even more obvious. And you're to, and you're in that forty. It's basically of the, time. the only time you're doing that if you're averaging out the numbers and looking at your overall pass percentage. You know, is up in the top half of all of college football. That means when you're in your all your other packages, you're throwing all the time. You're really telegraphing what you're doing. The, the more we talk about it. And just it's kind of us talking it and me processing and thinking about it. I think that's the biggest challenge for Sark with this offense going into the twenty-two is just figuring out, hey, maybe I can't be married to twelve personnel. And how much do you? How, uh, what percent? In other words, you've got to look at your at your personnel usage as a pie mm-hmm. and say, all right, mm-hmm. what percentage am I going to devote to twelve? What percentage am I going to devote to twenty-one, to twenty, to ten, to eleven? Whatever it is, based on your personnel, and, and but you can do that, in, like sitting here right now in in the month of June. But maybe through camp that changes. I just think yeah. it's 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 going to be up to Sark. Uh, again, we, one of the things that we harped on and criticized Tom Herman for, Sark can't be rigid with how he wants to use his personnel groupings. It's got to be a fluid thing. If it's going to work the way he wants to work, I, and I don't think he is rigid at all. I don't think I, so. Um, yeah. He is. He's not. I, I think he is open to new ideas and utilizing the personnel as efficiently and as effectively as he can. There are several examples of this recently with Bama. Sark at Alabama when he's got the four first round wide receivers, mm-hmm. right? Uh, when he's got all those guys. He had what he called his red package, where he went ten personnel, one back, zero tight ends, and had four with Waddle, uh, uh, uh what rugs, Smith, Ruggs, Ruggs, Judy, Smith Judy, and Judy, all of them, right? He had all of them on the field at one time, and yeah, the truth is, you ain't got four DBs that can cover first those four first round wide receivers. Mm-hmm. All right, so we just present the defense with a conundrum, a a mathematical problem they just cannot solve, <laughs> right? And that's what he does a really good job of based on the personnel. Did it when he came here. I almost took my football pants off when they come out first offensive drive of mm-hmm. the season. They come out in two tailback sets, right? Yeah. So that tells me that Sark is either listening to Longhorn Blitz or probably more what is probably uh more likely is that he's looking at the personnel he has and saying, All right, you know what? Uh this is actually something I need to experiment in. I, I gotta I gotta experiment in his two tailback sets. And he did that based on honestly it was Rojo that kind of remember Rojo convinced him basically mm-hmm. based off how impressive he was in offseason and how much uh of of a leader he was and just how effective he is as a running back that I gotta put Rojo on the field. Mm-hmm. And then Sark said, What's the I, I gotta put Rojo on the field and of course Bijan's gotta play. So that in, inevitably leads me down the path of two tailback sets. Love the way Sark thinks as a football mind. So I think there are examples like that that show he's he's gonna he's got he's gonna lean toward more two tailback sets. I totally if it doesn't, I would be 
flabbergasted, and I don't use that word a lot as a black man, but I would be <laughs> if he's not you, because it, it, it's t- all the all the analytics are pointing there. Yeah. Bringing in Brennan Marion, the go-go office, oh, yeah. it just it all points to him using yeah. more two tailback sets. If he does it, I would be shocked, and I'd be disappointed in him. And, and the conditions in the offense are ripe for it because we talk they about are. it a lot. You know, if you're outside, if you're like the number five wide receiver. Unless there's an injury, there's just not going to be a lot of opportunities for you to get the ball. Exactly. No. Get breaking in new tight ends, right? I mean, and I know Jaleel Billingsley is not a new tight end, but new to, you know, obviously here within this offense, the way it works out with X-Man, Bijan in the backfield. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he might take that a little bit slow. And, you know, with Jay Witt, I, I love me some Jay Witt, but – Knock on wood. All right, we don't, mm-hmm. we can't really count on Jay Witt right now. But when, if he ever does, man, every defensive coordinator out there better watch out. Uh, but it all it solved that problem too. Um, and it's the it's the best position group in the country. Yeah, it's the yeah. bet that running back position for Texas right now, and that's not going to be the case a year from now. Use it, just use it till you use it up right now. And you brought up, you know, Marion and Marion being that two back guy, but then also his just the way he's going to just be an entire enhancement of the offense because he's a receiver's coach a and he happens to be exactly. Mm-hmm. And when you look at his career being the guy that has like the NCAA record for highest yards per reception, and then like you see what X Man already did, but then you bring in a guy like Nayor and you're able to have that verticality to just be expanded to both sides of the field and then we're even talking about the tight end having some type of verticality within him and then a guy like Bijan that you know that you can split like the idea that you can literally start to envision a way to stretch the field in every direction if we're talking jet sweeps behind the line of scrimmage if we're talking about throwing the ball down uh, like to any position down the field Mm -hmm. you can literally start to find a quarterback that has the arm to get it there like it's something that if you think about it and just visualize it you see how much stress you can potentially put on the defense if you put everybody into the right spots totally agree i I talked about personnel uses personnel groupings usage as kind of the one thing that as maybe sark's biggest challenge if it's not that it most certainly is understanding the limitations of the offensive line. Where is their ceiling? What can you count on them to do? And how? And in what ways do you need to protect them? We always go back to LSU in 2019 with that Joe Brady, Joe Burrow combination that insulated. That was not a great LSU offensive line. They were good. They were good. They weren't great. Yeah. They didn't have like the offensive line that Sark had at Bama. I agree with that. Uh, but they made it work by getting the ball out quick, putting more guys. I, I like max protection is the devil. Like I'm that's that's one that's a that's a football <laughs> hill rod it that is. I will die on. Yeah. Max protect is the devil. Mm-hmm. It's same thing with centers in basketball. Um, they just clog <laughs> stuff up. Yeah, it's I, like I don't I don't like it. I, mm-hmm. Probably because and go back to the 2020 Oklahoma game. I watched Texas give up a sack. Inside the thirty in an eight man protection against a three man rush. Yes. <laughs> Go back and watch the film. It happened. That's as sad as a Texas OU moment <laughs> no, can be. I remember that, man. I and remember I that. I think they had Nick Benito as a spy, but it was technically a three man rush with Benito as a spy. Sad. And Sam ran out of time and got sacked. It's sad. Against man. with an eight man protection. Mm. Uh. Yep. Anyway. Uh but no, that's uh, the the limitations of the offensive line. I mean, look, the other way you can do it is Hey, if Quinn Ewers starts to take an ascent towards the ceiling that we all know he has, all right. Well, now you're you're cooking with gas at that point. Yep. 
But until you really know for sure what you've got or got to have a better handle, because you're not going to know for sure what you got a quarterback because, man, we talk about all the time, the slow burn with young quarterbacks. Yeah. All young quarterbacks mm-hmm. go through that slow burn process and they take their lumps and they have to figure it out right. as they go. So you're going to go through that with Quinn Ewers. Uh, or if Hudson Card wins the job, who knows? By the way, Rod, saw a picture on the Texas football social media account and Twitter account. Hudson Card? Hudson Card during summer workouts. Oh, thank God. Mm. Okay, there we go. I'm just look, saying we never I – mean, I'm, I'm sure that Texas did it. They were like, dude, we got to get Hudson sure, Card. Sure, look, there. there he is right there pulling some, pulling some tires like, like, right Chris there. Brown there disappeared go. after right. he left Texas. Hudson like, exactly. Card was disappearing <laughs> while he's at Texas. Well, I'm just saying, like, it, all, the, all the talk and on social media when you see all the players hanging out. It's always Quinn Ewers around, and I'm sure that Hudson Card's hanging out with the guys, and you know he's building camaraderie. But we just don't get to see it, and I'd like to see it. Basically, if this were <laughs> if this were an election, Quinn Ewers would have a very very strong lead in the polls. That's kind of what I, you know, right what I, the comparison I always make. Who um, knows? Hudson Card may be out there just working out. So again, <laughs> you you could have you could have one of these two quarterbacks just take that quick ascent towards a really high ceiling and that help you. But until you figure that out, that gets resolved. Everything around the quarterback and the offensive line, it's it's the best of the Big 12. Mm-hmm. And that and 450 will get you a cup of coffee at Starbucks. But on paper, <laughs> on paper, Rod, find me a better collection of running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends in the Big 12 than what Texas has. You can't. No. It is the best collection of skilled talent in the Big 12 and one of the best in the country. It I mean, really it, is. It really is. you got a top five receiver returning in X-Man. you got the best running back in the country. Uh, and that's a lot of people that says that. I don't. That's not just me. Uh, but one, I'll just say one of in case somebody wants to say, hey, man, what about this guy? Top, you got a top five running back, top five wide receiver returning. Um, a lot of people believe Jaleel Billingsley has got a chance to play on Sundays potentially. He's got an NFL skill set um, if he can improve as a blocker. Um, so and Jatavian Sanders, right? You got a five-star tight end there, or at least a five-star athlete playing tight end there, and you upgrade that wide receiver across the board. And we don't even talk about Jay Witt because everybody's just hoping and praying that he makes it past six six games. Like I said, between Tariq <laughs> between Tariq Milton and Jay Witt, just if one of those guys is healthy, yeah. you're you're okay. Yeah, that's true. So I I I think Sark understands exactly the. The issue you're bringing up is that the big, their Shakespearean flaw, right, the fatal flaw of this offense is going to be the offensive line. There's no question about it. And how can how how can you work around it? How can you kind of circumvent, if you will, all of the, the issues that they're going to present? Because you can't be surprised and shocked by them now. The offensive line was bad last year. It's going to be bad this year until you get those young bucks in there and until they can get past all the growing pains. So I totally agree with you. I think it's, it's natural to quit game. Uh, RPOs, he's going to run more RPOs. RPOs are a natural quick game, and he runs an RPO-based offense. So I think that will increase. That will help. Uh, he's. I think you got to run more quick game, period. I mean, 60%. Um, I, I read this stat the other day that 60% of all NFL pass attempts were zero to three-step drops. Uh, from quarterbacks. That's quick game. I mean, so the mm-hmm. NFL understands, hey, there are freaks now that are designed specifically uh, with, with lethal skill sets to go after quarterbacks these mm-hmm. days. I got to get the ball out quickly, especially so I can protect my biggest investment quarterback. So the NFL's got it figured out. Uh, and I think Sark will too, uh, just because it's a natural, like you said, the insulation that it provides for the quarterback. And it gets him in a rhythm. Gets him in a rhythm. That's yeah, important too. I think the other thing to that too, kind of the NFL tie in there with Texas. Excuse me. We talked about it. You know, 
you can find, develop, mold, recruit, what have you, edge guys that can mm-hmm. become elite edge guys. Yep. But the the body prototype of an NFL offensive tackle, it shrinks the pool of candidates for those jobs significantly. Yep. Yeah. So, and, and Rod, you study the NFL more than anybody I know. Not all 32 teams have elite starting tackles. No. 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 They, got, they got guys who are serviceable and guys who can get it done, and they may be good, yeah. uh, but that if they're not considered elite, that doesn't mean they're winning their one-on-ones consistently. Right. Uh, and that means if it's a 50-50 shot, then we're going after that guy. <laughs> but I, I think, too, in that, in that, that, that vein, when you talk about Texas and, and Sark insulating the offensive line, typically like you think you have to insulate a quarterback, but I think this for this offense it's about insulating the offensive line and protecting that offensive line. I agree. If you put these fail-safes in and you're still having issues up front, to me, that makes it more palatable to tell a Devon Campbell or Kelvin Banks, hey, I'm just, I'm just going to go with you. And, and these veteran guys that have been here, if I'm going to get beat, I'm going to get beat with a guy that's going to be here for three or four years that I can develop and mold. I, I would start. I would do that anyway, honestly. Well, I don't know what they've seen in the spring. To be fair, right? So I gotta say, what you, what you, I, was, I don't know what they, but they didn't have many of the guys. Assuming <laughs> spring yeah. football. So, so let me, let me, so I don't know let me couch what I just said. Assuming those guys are ready. Assuming those guys are ready. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, but it makes them more palatable. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I, I think you're gonna end up playing some of those young offensive linemen anyway. Man, for sure. Yeah. Rod, Especially you, with the returning production was, you have, you need to figure yeah, it out. I wouldn't doubt if you ended up with two starters that are freshmen by. Mid-season. Between the three of us, we've played, covered, watched this game for a long time. No college head coach likes playing true freshman offensive linemen. No. They don't want to. Mm-mm. Nobody wants to. Nobody wants to do that. And, and I know it's a different game than it was 20 years ago, but I've always contended, look, man, if Justin Blaylock can redshirt, any true freshman offensive lineman can redshirt. It's just uh, that's those trenches. That's just a different ball mm-hmm. game altogether. You're, you're, talking about, freshman. you're talking about going from high school to if you're a 17-, 18-year-old offensive tackle – you may be going against a 21-year-old edge guy who's got his grown man body already. Panda, panda more. You, can, you about can't to even leave early because those are the edge guys are the ones. That you get can't taken even leave high. the game, go down to Posse East, and buy a beer. Yeah, like it's just it's a to, it's to, two totally different worlds. That's a great point by Matt too about yeah. yeah. Overall, the interior guys also are the oldest because they don't leave early. Mm-mm. Yeah, you're right. The guys on the edges are leaving early. Mm-hmm. I'm with you on that, man. I think the more uh, the less space a guy plays in, um, I don't like. True freshman playing there, yeah, it's tough. and that's it. That starts at the center and it kind of works its way out. Mm-hmm. I think you could get to where a young edge guy, some guys maybe just a freak. You got some Devon Curse type. Well, we've freak. seen young Texas guys. I mean, Brian Arakpo, Jackson Jeffcoat, Alex yeah. for Those guys were situational guys as true freshmen. Yeah, but it's tough. I said it, it's happened before. Joseph Osai, exactly right. You got to have NFL upside written on you. Basically, if yeah. you're doing that, you're a guy that's going to be, be have NFL totally upside. Agree. And although yeah. all thrills, uh, Jeffcoat like didn't play in the NFL, up, but he's still Casey playing Casey Hampton football. and Sean Rogers still playing so. pro ball right now, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes, cashing them checks. Exactly. <laughs> Shout out Jackson <laughs> Jeffcoat if you're listening. For real. Really. Um, Rado, I do want to kind of end on an NFL tidbit, though, or just an NFL line of thinking. Um, you know, when remember when Sark, because I asked him, maybe it was the signing day press conference, of studying different coaches and different teams and different systems and kind of who does he look at. And he said, Still well, I watch this. Huh? But he said he didn't say who he looks at or who he watches. But now we know he's going to meet with Sean McVay, and it, it yeah. seems like – and this is why I like Sark as an offensive mind and just being 
borrow I'll borrow, borrow one of your turns, Rod. Being malleable. Mm-hmm. He went and met with Sean McVay, but he wants to get into that Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan, Matt LaFleur, uh, Mike McDaniel. Who am I? Am I missing somebody from that? No, that's the tree. You got the, the, the yeah, He yeah. wants that's to get into that, right that, now, that Washington yeah. 2009 staff whenever those guys were all together. He wants, that's the think tank he wants to be yeah. in. Hey, man, that's a good, that's a good group to be in. Yeah. I think philosophically, uh, Matt LaFleur's offense probably fits Sark's offense. If you're just asking me what NFL offense do I think philosophically and conceptually is most like Sark's offense, it's Matt LaFleur's offense, actually. Because Matt LaFleur loves RPOs, actually runs some two tailback sets. Remember, he's drafting running backs really high. People are like, why are you drafting running backs? He actually loves to run the football, loves a, uh, runs a ton of RPOs, and likes to quit game. Tons of pre-snap motion to get guys over. Think of Devontae Adams mm-hmm. in that offense. Yeah. Uh, so I, I would say that, yeah, uh, that's the offense that I like. Stri- if you're just looking at the the concepts of it, they share a lot of concepts that they run together. But he, he loves, I mean, he loves the, the Shanahan offense uh, just because I think he likes it from his time of helping transition that Atlanta offense. So I think he just kind of had some fun with that because it took him out of his comfort zone. He wasn't doing two tail back sets. And he's like, oh, this is kind of funky. So I think he had some fun with that. Sean McVay is, the, I think, the, the point. I think he wants to get to where Sean McVay is. Who doesn't? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Yeah, yeah. I think that, well, offensively, I think he kind of wants to think uh, along the lines Sean McVay does. And like I said, yeah, great point. Who doesn't? I, I, I remember I asked Sark about this last summer at uh, coaching school, the THSCA convention, about because we talked a lot last offseason. The one change we wanted to see was just more usage of two tailback sets because mm-hmm. we didn't see it at all. Yep. Under Tom Herman. We felt like we should have seen more of it. was like less than 2% or something. And I asked Sark about it. I don't know if he's talked about it in other forums, but I know he answered my question there. And he said, basically, his goal in Atlanta was, he's like, I don't want to go in there and reinvent the wheel. They had something that clearly worked. So he said he sat down with Kyle Shanahan and kind of got an understanding of kind of who he is, what he likes to do, and said, okay, within the framework of that, based on my preferences and my background, how do I make that work? And instead of necessarily, like you said, not playing with a fullback like mm-hmm. Shano likes to, it's, hey, man, I want two tailbacks. I like the two tailbacks I've got. We yeah. just run two back sets with these exactly. two tailbacks. Exactly. And he had done a little bit of that at Washington with Chris Polk and Bishop mm-hmm. Sankey. Okay. But not to the near, not to the extent that he – and he even said that, not to the extent that he did in Atlanta and hasn't done it since to that extent. That's, that's shades of a football theorist. You know, mm-hmm. that's shades of a football theorist looking at, uh, looking at a situation and going – Man, if I just totally disassembled this damn thing, and he didn't and want to do that. Scratch, yeah. Hell, I'll be fired before oh, they I were in get the super. They were yeah, a, exactly. a, a meltdown away from winning a Super Bowl, yeah, so like, it's not like I, there was a lot to yeah, change, right? And that's what we always talk about, just on a macro scale, about what we don't like about when coaches come in into Texas because we've had so many now. Mm-hmm. They come in, they like they want to they want to destroy everything yep. that the previous regime did, and I understand because a lot some of it was bad. That's why the, uh, the previous regime is gone, but not all of it was bad. There no. are, there's some good there. Part of it, and obviously it's a different situation. But you know, you like a coach to come in and see what he can. What's your word? Repurpose. Repurpose. Mm. You know what I mean? That's exactly. Explore so I the think, off season. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's what I love. I, I I do like that about Sark. I I always go back to that story about him and that connection to Shanahan. So I'm glad he's hanging out with that group, man. And he needs to make sure that he steals empty formation concepts mm-hmm. from Sean McVay. Nobody in the NFL ran more empty formation than the Rams. The second team that ran the most empty formations behind the Rams, the Bengals. And more successfully. Right? And both ended up in the Super Bowl, and I don't think that's by coincidence. But empty formation for Texas, I'll just give you quick the explosive 
play rate for Texas on empty formation, uh, 21% in 2020, 23% in 2021. Off the charts. They're averaging over 10 10 yards per attempt out of empty formation in both seasons, different quarterbacks, different offenses, different schemes, doesn't matter. Empty formation, the formation works. It's not even the personnel. It's the formation that works. And Sean McVay, the fact that Sean McVay figured it out around the same time I figured it out, Mm-hmm. I love it because I, I started getting obsessed with it after the Patriots used it to win the Super Bowl uh, against the Rams. Me right? too. It's the only touchdown drive. Tom, Tom Brady like, did it with funky. Tampa. Yeah, they did it 22 personnel, two backs, two two tight ends, mm-hmm. and ran empty formation. And Wade Phillips was like, I had never seen that before. Turns out they studied it. Had, it had been done 11 times the entire season, all 32 teams, all 16 games by all teams. There's only 11 instances the entire season. Nobody could have prepared that's, for that's that. That's why I love that and Super Wade Bowl. And Wade Phillips felt yeah. so good. He was like, I, I, I felt good because mm-hmm. I, I did everything I could have done. How could I have found that? Envision. How could I have found that? And, and the Patriots, they told uh, the story later, they put it in that morning because mm. they were they were like, no, we might need something. So they put it in that morning, thought we may need something. We may need a little extra something. Maybe we'll need this 22 yeah. personnel empty formation package. People talked about won the game for them. People talk <laughs> about how boring that Super Bowl was. Oh, yeah. I was low scoring. No, if you're a, if you're a football man. Oh. It's so fascinating because that's that is how granular Bill Bel- granular Bill Belichick yep. had to get something while he's eating his eggs and bacon at breakfast, thinking yep. I need to put something in. You had to go all the way. It's like it's all I got. It's all the I last got. thing I got. And th- thank God he did it. Well, it, yeah, it, it was a, it, it was it was brilliant. It was like when you see goats make moves like that. It's like when Nick Saban put in Tua against Kirby mm-hmm. when Kirby Smart had him back against the wall. Like, dude, I'm about to whip you. It's time. And he's like, you know what? You ain't seen Tua. You know everybody on this roster. You know me well because you've been you you were the assistant for me longer than any other assistant I've ever had. So yeah, you know me and you know this roster and you know our schemes, but you don't know Tua. Lincoln Riley with Caleb Williams last year in the Texas yeah, OU game. Yes, it happened, yeah. it happened in Texas. You ain't got no prep on PK's no. plan was so good, <laughs> so good. it got Spencer, Spencer Rattler benched and they he gave he gave up a fifty burger. Oh, and it's about, the yeah. same that same type thing. of effect happens all the time with debuting major league pitchers or in the NBA when a big yeah. point guard's out and then the backup comes in and the team goes undefeated or point. whatever with them. Yeah. It's because you haven't seen that you don't have film. Give them some film, give them a couple days to adjust, yeah. the league will catch up. Exactly but you right. have to take advantage on the take front end. Exactly. And you know, you brought that up uh talking about the continuity and Texas finally, you know, had been tearing everything down and then now getting to a spot where you might have some continuity. And if you look at the returning production rankings that Bill Conley always talks about, and if you're, you know, over 65%, you know, you see a marked increase the next year in growth and improvement. And when you look at Texas, when you combine the two together, it's over 66% returning production for like the first time in a long time. And we're talking about returning production of the best players too. So it's really big when Texas has that and, to wrap everything up, the way Wade Phillips' point is like you can never see those things coming, but if you're a good team that self scouts, you understand what could beat you to where like there's no way you could see that on film. But if you self assess your team and be like, well, how would I attack myself? You could maybe find that vulnerability. That's the only way to possibly do it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, quick programming note before we wrap it up. Uh, I will try to be available to do the show next week, but you may just get Matt and Rod because I'm assuming I'll be in Omaha next next Tuesday. So when we record, so we'll, we'll see what happens. I know we've got some technology that we can take advantage of, and maybe it can be yep. a three-man show, but it might just be a two-person job. Uh, it's definitely going to be Matt and Rod 
by themselves minus me the week after because I'm on I'm on vacation the mm-hmm. week after. Okay. Yeah. So a yeah, couple quick couple quick programming notes just to let you guys know uh what's coming out of the pike here on Longhorn Blitz. There was something else I was gonna say, but uh oh yeah, it just file this thought away for next week. Rod, you, you said it right there. Um or maybe you guys pick up on this, I don't know. What you said about sorry, go back to the experience at Atlanta, not wanting to tear it down, like let me just not reinvent the wheel, just mm-hmm. try to, you yeah. know, keep what they've got going. I think he did that at Texas and then realized he needed so in other words, Charlie Strong and Tom Herman came in and kind of tore it down. Yeah. What was there before, maybe unnecessarily in some respects. I don't think Sark in hindsight, and you can see with some of the moves and some of the things he said, some of the moves he's made and things he said, I don't think he did that enough as he probably should have. That's, that's a great point. Should've. No, we talked about that when he had his assumption that his lines of scrimmage, right, against Arkansas uh, and the way the game plan was in that game. Yeah, that maybe that was an assumption that, I don't know, that, that would be a natural progression and a, a natural – uh, you know, kind of uh, progression of this office line, they'll get better. They're, the assumption is they will be better yeah. because they're veterans and they've played more and they have experience. And the truth was you probably needed to go in and and they started doing it late in the year and started trying to cultivate some of the younger guys. And you probably should have paid more attention to the lines of scrimmage. And I, so I'm with you on that. That's, that's a good point. Maybe he didn't tear it down enough. Yeah. yeah. But, but literally everything was being torn down around him. Right. So maybe in his head he was thinking to himself, listen, I don't want to create more chaos. Literally, my team is disjointed. There's COVID. And he admitted later, like, he didn't do enough to to or to, to, to try to fuse this team yeah. together. And they had to deal with Jake around. Ellinger's passing. They had the two different COVID stoppages. There was yeah. oh, so much. It was a lot of random stuff. Was dealing with last yeah. year. Um, so, yeah, I, I may I think in hindsight he maybe he, – and then I think, too, the other part of that is he realized – once that winning streak started and you had a bunch of guys that he probably thought were bought in that very much weren't, I think that's probably when he realized probably, probably the, the Iowa State game I think is is a seminal moment in the Sark era in a lot of ways because the way that thing went. Remember there's the whole controversy with oh, yeah. him and Keandre Coburn with I told him to watch the, the double, the double pass. pass and they're like, I don't remember that conversation yeah. happening and then yep. – there's the Bo Davis video, like mm-hmm. that whole deal. Yeah, Joshua Moore transfer right after that or enter yep. the portal. That's kind of the seminal moment where I think Sark probably realized, man, this is way worse than I thought it is. And yeah, I probably should have. It is more. It is more rebuild than reload. Mm-hmm. And that's when I, they started ushering guys, not ushering guys of the program, but I think they realized, like, you know what? I need a lot of these guys off this roster. I need. I need to turn over forty percent of this mm-hmm. damn roster. If you got eligibility, you can keep playing college football. You just can't do it here. Hence yep. the <laughs> Bo Grant. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that was like the tipping yep. point. Totally agree. So, all right. I don't know if you guys are, will pick it up there next week, but who knows? I know there will be a Longhorn Blitz in some way, shape, It'll or form happen. next week. Exactly. Uh, Matt, thanks for everything, man. You're more than welcome. Rod B., I appreciate the time and the knowledge. Anytime, brother. Anytime. For Matt, for Rod, for everybody at the Austin Radio Network and the Horn, 104.9, AM, 1260, streaming always on the Horn app at hornfm.com, where you can get Rod B., each and every weekday on Ball Don't Lie from 3 to 7 with Mike Harge. Shameless plug. You can also get myself and Craig Way each and every weekday on Light the Tower from 10 to noon. And thanks to Matt, you can get all of our archives. Our classic interviews and shows are available on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. Yep, just type in Longhorn Blitz. Search Horns 24-7 anywhere you get your podcast. That's Horns 247, no dashes, no slashes. Click that follow button. Get every episode of Longhorn Blitz when it drops on Tuesdays. 
And don't forget to leave us a five-star review. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I'm Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we will catch you again on the next episode. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com.